Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. So welcome. If we haven't met before, uh, my name's Andy. I am senior pastor here. Before we do anything else, it is very important Uh, If you haven't heard yet, that you are informed that Chris and Jenny got engaged. Um, Jenny Jenny was here, look at them, socially distanced in their engagement. They're really not. They just happened to be this morning. Anyway, guys, we are so, so excited for you both. We're so proud of you and so, so, so... Uh, excited about everything that's coming this year for you both. Huge congratulations from all of us. I don't know if any of you have ever listened to the uh, comedian from here. He actually lives in Australia, but his name is Jim Owen. It sound, I first thought his name was Jim Owen, but it's actually not. It's Jim Owen. Um, he does this. You can go home and entertain yourself later on YouTube. Uh, just put, type in Jim Owen eyebrows. And uh, I feel like for the first time I understand, he does this brilliant uh, sketch about how important it is to pay attention to people's eyebrows when you're talking to them, you know, and eyebrows up mean certain things and eyebrows down mean other things. And it's a very funny sketch, but actually it all becomes clear for me right now where all I can see is your eyebrows. Uh, so if, if you would do me a favor and just try to keep them more up than down for the next 20 minutes, that'll be helpful for uh, me. Before we jump in, Today, I want to say a huge thank you to everybody who was involved in pulling our carol service uh, together. Um, I got this, let me read this to you. I got this from an old friend of mine who lives in Canada. He texted me this last Monday. He said, Andy, I just finished watching the LVV carol service and just wanted to let you know how incredibly blessed and humbled I was. From Laura's intro to Jamesy's voice, the arrangement of the songs, the full narrative, the content was quite beautiful and was a warm reminder of the reach of the Spirit through the Irish people. Congratulations on such a fantastic delivery, missing home this time of year. I always watch a wee bit of LVV to keep me rooted in Jesus. Um, I don't know what he means at the last, because... I think this is the first time we've put stuff out to watch, but anyway. Um, James, Michael, Pete, Alex, the whole team, guys, thank you so much. Can we give them a round of applause? If you're at home, why don't you do that as well? Thank you so much, guys. Um, We're going to continue in our series in the book of Matthew next week. Um, Feels like we've been in Matthew forever. I kind of have this sneaky suspicion that we're going to be in Matthew until the end of this pandemic, Um, which... Yeah, yeah. so we should end that next week. Um, but before we do, I, I kind of have a bit of a reflection that I want to do just as we head into this new year. And um, I think we have to acknowledge that this is all a bit weird. And this is the opposite of how we have tried to uh, organize corporate worship for the last eight years in uh, this community. Whenever we first started, there was always this kind of thing that we tried to do was put out not quite enough chairs for the amount of people that we were expecting so that people would sit together and the room would feel lovely and full and we can be cozy and have that sense of, you know, we're all kind of in this together. And then now we find ourselves in this kind of place where we have to deliberately keep you apart, make the room feel really, really empty, leave the door open in the middle of the winter so that we're all freezing. 
It feels in so many ways like the opposite of everything that we have naturally done over the last years as church. And I guess as I've been thinking about that and thinking about the last kind of seven or eight months and all of that sort of stuff, I've been really aware that whatever it is that we're living through right now, there is an incredible opportunity for us to discover things about who God is and what He's inviting us into in such a way like we perhaps will never, ever get again. The reality is that for a huge amount of the church all over the world, gathering in ways that feel unnatural and even risky, potentially even at the cost of their lives or livelihoods, is just normal discipleship. Showing up in hidden corners and underground churches at the risk of all sorts of things, it's just normal for them. And there is some kind of moment of solidarity for us to not miss in the middle of all of this as we have to do things that don't feel overly natural for us to better love and serve and care for the wider community around us. This is a good time to be asking God questions. And of course, like God always does, this is a great time to allow Him to ask us questions. There are three questions that I want to unpack uh, this morning that I think are really helpful questions as we head into this new year. Uh, But to do that, I want to look at a passage from the Gospel of John, chapter 21. If you have a Bible, uh, why don't you go there? Can I really encourage you as you come? We can't put out Bibles uh, anymore. So as you come to worship, bring a Bible, bring a paper one, not one that's on a distraction device, okay? Um, that'll be helpful for you. But if you have a Bible, turn to John chapter 21. I'm gonna, it's a fairly lengthy passage, so it'll help you maybe concentrate if you're anything like me to follow along. Um, let me pray as we come to the Scriptures this morning. Father, we acknowledge that you are a God who speaks, that you are not distant, that you care deeply about what's going on in our lives. And Holy Spirit, we humbly pray, would you come? Speak to us, O God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is uh, John 21, starting in verse 1. It says, Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the other side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish for they were not far from shore, about a hundred meters When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. 
was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And then the third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. As I prayed uh, this week about what I kind of felt like the Lord might want to say or ask us in this moment as we face into all of the hope and uncertainty of a new year, I just kept being brought back to this really famous passage. It's really an interesting moment in the lives of the followers of Jesus. It's post-resurrection, but pre Pentecost. The disciples are in this pretty awkward in-between space. For them, the betrayal and the torture and execution of Jesus is behind them, but so is the resurrection. If you thought 2020 was a roller coaster, just try in your mind's eye to imagine what it must have been like to have lived through what this bunch of friends have just lived through over the past few weeks, months, and years. <clears throat> They've lived through a revolution. They've been invited by this rabbi prophet to come and follow him. They've walked around the country as he proclaimed the kingdom of God has come near, as he demonstrated what that actually looks like as a revolution kind of built around him, as they thought this was the moment for Rome and unjust or unjust rulers to be overthrown from all of their oppression and for God to establish his rule on earth. And they thought Jesus was going to do it. Chariots of angel armies were going to invade and they were going to be at his right hand as he stood victorious. And what they actually observed was the betrayal of a friend the arrest, the torture, and execution of Jesus, and then his resurrection and a city on fire with rumors that maybe Jesus is actually alive, but what on earth, quite literally, does that mean? They are in this moment where their hopes have been utterly dashed, then they have been kind of resurrected in their hopes but equally, I think they're so confused. How should we live right now? What do we do in this in-between space? December was like a microcosm of this. Do you remember the moment when the vaccines were announced 
And it was like, oh my goodness, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And then it felt like within a week, all of a sudden, statistics are going the wrong way, new streams are appearing, and the thing that we thought we were just literally about to lay hold of disappeared like sand through our fingers, and restrictions got imposed, and we're in lockdown again, and all of this stuff is kind of swirling. Verse 3, Peter says, I'm going out to fish. And his friends say, we're coming too. Scholars argue all kinds of interpretations around this kind of verse and what was going on. Was this Peter selling out? Was this his moment where he's actually given up on what Jesus had schooled them in and told them to wait for? Is this his, well, look, I'm just going back to what's familiar and what I know. I'm going to busy myself with the things that I know that I can do. Settling for less than the call of God on his life because he doesn't know how to make sense of the awkward moment that he finds himself in and how he should approach it in his choices. For me, I reckon Peter perhaps was just hungry. Like for three years, they've followed Jesus and they've had their physical needs for shelter and food provided for by people who wanted to associate with the movement of Jesus. They all left their jobs, and as Jesus' fame and attention kind of grew, people give them places to live, and they give them food to eat. Well, right now, in this moment, being associated with Jesus is um, pretty dangerous. And so it's a fair assumption that all of that support has gone. Their ability to provide for themselves has evaporated. Peter perhaps is just hungry and simply doing what he knows best to provide for himself and his friends. And so he goes out to fish. He gets in his boat with his pals and they go out and they toil literally all night to try and get some food. And if things weren't hard enough for them, they fish all night and catch nothing. You ever have those moments where it just feels like nothing is going right? Where like no matter what you do, it feels like... God, where are you? They fish all night long. They catch absolutely nothing. They just can't get a break. By early morning, there's a stranger standing on the shore, and he shouts to them in verse 5, Friends, haven't you any fish? There's a way to read that that sounds almost taunting. Like they've been out all night, lads. Have you got nothing? You've been out there all night long. A more accurate translation of that expression in this context is actually, lads, can I buy a fish or two? It's been really common for servants of larger households to go down to the shoreline early in the morning to buy a fish or two from the fishermen that have been out all night so that they can take it home and cook breakfast for their masters. The next sequence is a bit mad though. The stranger tells them to throw their nets to the other side. Why they hadn't thought about doing that if they'd been fishing all night is a question we don't really get insight to. Or, or why they thought that that would be a good idea when some randomer on the shore is just suggesting another thing. 
but they actually do it. My theory on this is that it's a bit like spiritual muscle memory. Following Jesus, if you follow Jesus long enough, there are times when you will find yourself obedient to the voice of God that you did not recognize in the moment. This has happened to me several times in my life where something in me leads me to a decision that in hindsight I look back and go, that was the Lord. If you exercise the muscle of listening to the voice of God and obeying it in your life, there will be times when God will speak to you and you will not even recognize it until you're through the fact. I'm quite certain that's what's going on in this moment. Verse 7 is just such a beautiful, it's just beautiful. The net cast to the other side of the boat, it's immediately full of fish, and John proclaims, it is the Lord. They have this moment on the boat as they realize that the thing that they're desperate for has just been provided. And he goes, I knew that voice. I knew that voice. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And he looks up and he proclaims, it is the Lord. As soon as Peter hears those words, he grabs his clothes and bails out over the side of the boat. It's just this mad kind of moment. You can kind of imagine the rest of the guys standing there going, what just happened? Did he fall in? Is he okay? Oh no, it's okay. He's swimming towards the shore. You get something revealed in that of the intimacy and desperation of Peter to be with Jesus. A friend proclaiming it's the Lord was all it needed for him to, he couldn't even wait to get the boat in. He didn't even think about the fish anymore. He just grabs his stuff, flies into the water, and starts swimming towards Jesus. You ever have a moment where you, like, you do something impulsively and then you kind of catch yourself? Like, I kind of wonder what that must have been like when he's like pulling himself. You, you know that thing, that awkward moment when you're swimming in the sea where you go from like, it's not quite shallow enough to walk in, but it's not quite deep enough to swim in. And he's got soaking wet clothes and Jesus is standing there and, you know, they're still far away, but he's got to do that kind of wade through the sea kind of thing and then be in front of Jesus. And what does that look like? And did Jesus go, why didn't you just come in with the boat? I love Peter's heart in that moment, perhaps the embrace on the beach. The rest of the disciples drag the fish in, and when they get to the beach, they notice that Jesus has a fire lit and is already cooking breakfast for them. I've said to you many times over the last eight years that how you answer the question, what is God like, will determine so much of the trajectory of your life. This is one of the most beautiful answers to that question. This is the resurrected Jesus, the one who has defeated Satan, sin, and death. How does the one who is now ruling over everything in the heavens and on the earth behave? He cooks breakfast for his friends. 
Just imagine, right? It's kind of hard to wrap our heads around this, right? Imagine you go home and tomorrow morning you get a letter from the Queen inviting you to visit in Buckingham Palace. And you get a date. And you go and buy a new suit or a new dress. And, you know, you phone anyone that you perhaps know that is in those sort of circles. Who knows people in those circles? I don't know. But if you do, I'm sure you phone them. What should I do? How should I behave? All that sort of stuff. Just imagine that when you arrive at Buckingham Palace, some butler or official meets you and walks you into the kitchen. And there Her Majesty is over the stove cooking some bacon and eggs. It's mad, right? It's totally mad. This is that moment. The resurrected Jesus is there on the beach cooking breakfast for these tired and exhausted men. There truly is no God like him. Before any great confrontation, before any great revelation, before any glorious teaching or instruction on what is next, Jesus gives these men who have been working all night some food to eat around a fire. The ways of God so often are incredibly practical. You're hungry here, have something to eat. You're thirsty here, have something to drink. We are so addicted to activity and self-sufficiency that often we miss the things that God is trying to give us. We get weary in our faith and think a 4 a.m. prayer slot is the answer when maybe wisdom would say you should just take a nap. At the beginning of this new year, in this moment, one of the questions I would love to ask you and for us as a community to reflect on is what is it that God is trying to give you in this moment? As we face the year ahead, what is it that God would want to give you right now? What is it that he wants to give you? We're so um, used to thinking about what we're supposed to give God, right? That's so often our impulse, activity, purpose, meaning, mission, all of those things, and they're so important. I just find it so interesting that here in this moment, before Jesus does anything else, he says, come here, let me give you some breakfast. Sit down there, take a rest. Let me restore you a bit. What is it that God wants to give you right now for the year ahead of you? I find it really interesting that just moments before, Jesus was asking these men for something he already had. He's there asking them, hey guys, have you got any fish? While he's already got fish cooking on the barbecue for them. Every time God asks you for something, it's not because he needs it. He's God, for goodness sake. God asks us for things to get our attention and often to draw our attention to what we don't have that he does. At the beginning of this new year, what is it that God is trying to give you? But equally important is the question, what is it that God is asking for from you?
In this moment, there are things that the Lord is seeking to give us, and there are things that He is asking for from us. They gather around the fire for breakfast. I'm quite sure for Peter this is a particularly painful moment, bringing back all kinds of memories. It was around the burning coals of a fire that he denied Jesus three times just not that long ago. I wonder, was it tense? I wonder, is Peter now dripping wet, trying to avoid eye contact with Jesus? Verse 15, Jesus speaks to the elephant on the beach. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? In the presence of his friends, Jesus speaks straight to the heart of the matter. Peter, in Mark chapter 14, was the one who declared in front of the rest of the disciples, even if everyone falls away from you, Jesus, I will not. Even if everyone else betrays you, even if everyone else denies you, I won't. He did that publicly in front of everyone. And then moments later, when he had his opportunity, he couldn't help but just deny Jesus. Peter had not been behind the door making sure everyone knew that as far as he was concerned, he loved Jesus more than everyone else. And here in this moment, Jesus puts his finger right back on that thing. In front of his friends, Jesus says, well, do you still think you love me more than these guys? Three times, Jesus asks Peter this question. The parallel to the betrayal is unmissable. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Peter responds, but this time somehow it doesn't seem so full of bluster. There's a humility to it. And in response to the third time, Peter simply says, you know everything. You know everything. You know that I love you. There are all kinds of important things going on in this text and in this moment. But as we head into this new year, I want us to notice simply this. It's hard to imagine a more excruciating sin if you want to think about it in those terms of what Peter has just done. Like, he was proclaimed as the rock on which Jesus was going to build his church. He was kind of the captain of the disciples, the number two, so to speak. And when the moment came, he completely bottled it. The moment came, you're one of them, aren't you? You're one of his followers. Peter said, I don't have a clue who you're talking about. No, 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 I know from your accent and I've seen you around. You were definitely one of those with Jesus. Peter says, not me. You got me all wrong. And a third time, it happens again. A colossal failure. It amazes me. I love this. Jesus' cousin doesn't come to Peter and ask for an apology. He doesn't say, Peter, are you really sorry about that? He doesn't come demanding repentance. Peter, will you repent? Before we go any further, I need to know that you're going to repent because that was pretty serious business right there. 
He doesn't even say, hey, Peter, I'd love you to be a part of this thing I'm about to build in the world, but I need you to promise me that you'll never do that again. He doesn't even do that. Jesus asks the only question that really matters. Peter, you made massive errors. Peter, you're probably going to make loads more. But what matters most, do you love me? Do you love me? I, I love how embracing it feels Jesus is of Peter's humanity. His flawedness, his brokenness. He, he doesn't even really address that. He just says all that matters right now in this moment as we look at the future together is do you love me? Love, the scriptures say, covers a multitude of sins. I love, I love that. Like I said, Peter's going to make more mistakes in his life. But for Jesus, the only thing that matters is does he love him? At the beginning of this year, as we look together into 2021, what is it that God wants to give us? What is it that God is asking for from us? And perhaps the most important question any of us will ever reflect on is do we really love Jesus? Do we really love Jesus? Do we want to grow in our love for Jesus? Do we want to pursue that? Will we allow everything else, no matter what else happens, to grow out of that posture and that place that above all else we would be known as a community that loves Jesus in the midst of our socially distanced worship and not having everything that we would be familiar with in this building is our love for Jesus burning as hot as it did this time last year or please God would it be burning hotter as we move into this year would we cultivate love for Jesus because nothing else matters and I asked Tom and Alex to come back up and lead us as we respond if you're at home we'd love you to Stay connected with us for a few more minutes. I'm going to ask them to lead us in a song. And uh, as they do that, would you maybe just reflect a little bit on some of what I've been saying? And uh, then afterwards, I'm going to um, lead us uh, in a prayerful uh, response. For how many of us, the, um, the truthful answer perhaps is, I want to. Like if Jesus were in front of us right now saying, do you love me? The answer often, if I'm being honest in front of you, is I really want to. I'm not sure. I hope I do. How do I tell? It's a really beautiful prayer. Jesus, help me to love you. Help me to love you. Lagan Valley Vineyard, as we move into this year, 
the question that I would love us to carry in our hearts from the Lord into it, from Jesus, is simply this, Lagan Valley Vineyard, do you love me? Do you love me? Will we love Jesus better this year than we did last year? Will we love Jesus better this year than we did last year? Holy Spirit, we need your help. Come. Help us to honor Jesus with our lives. To love him in our hearts. demonstrate his beauty and his goodness to all those around us.